The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Welcome to the Quirky Dog Podcast, inspired by some of the quirkiest dogs you can ever imagine and the owners who love them. This podcast is brought to you by the quirky couple themselves, Scott and Jess Williams. Their aim is to educate and entertain. Here's Scott and Jess. Welcome, guys, and happy Wednesday. We are coming to you live, take two, from Salem, New Hampshire. We're a little bit late today, but there's always something to deal with, whether it's 2020 or 2021 or whatever, but it's beautiful outside. So we're happy. Technical difficulties. We're happy to be here with you. Hey, we are going to talk about what your dog should expect when you're expecting a baby and maybe a few little things you can do to prepare for that. But first, we're going to start with the quirky tip of the day. And uh, we have a client right now that is in the process of, they just had a baby yesterday, and that's what made us think about this, because we run into this quite a bit. The tip of the day is, if you're pregnant and you have a dog, uh, the best advice would be to find a dog trainer before you have the baby so that you can get some things under control. Yeah, and Scott phrased it, and this was a good way to put it. If you're to the point where you're ready to tell other people, because obviously every time you get pregnant, you just don't tell the world because you want to make sure the baby makes it to a certain point and all this stuff, that is the point when you should call a dog trainer. Similarly, if you are adopting and your surrogate is to that point, that is the point when you should consider calling a dog trainer. Not, let's see how this goes when the baby gets here and then things are unraveling and then we're going to call a dog trainer. You got six months there pretty much to get things under control. That's plenty of time to establish some new habits, get your dog comfortable with different things in the house and different ways of being managed, et cetera. Yeah. And I was just talking about this with uh, Dave who owns the studio before we started. I mean, things are different now. You know, people move in first with each other before they get married. And then maybe if they get married before they have a kid, sometimes they get a dog. And If they have a dog before the kid and there's problems, a lot of those clients are already getting training at that point before the kid even comes into their lives. But I would say at least 25% of our clients that have been in that situation where it was just them and they had a dog and then they ended up expecting their first child or whatever would still come back right before that kid was born or after just for some follow-up stuff and some maintenance. So we have a lot of tips that we tell people and that we generally believe in how to prepare the dog for when the baby gets there. So it's as smooth as it can be for everyone. Because guys, when everybody's like, oh, the dog's life won't change at all. Not true. Like that dog drops really low on the totem pole really quick. And we've seen it time and time again. So what are some of your best practices? Well, you know, we've done this both ways. I've had people call with, uh, when they call a dog trainer after they've had the baby, it's because there's a problem between the dog and the baby. And that really sucks because they have to, they wind up getting rid of the dog. It's... I tell them to get rid of the baby and I won't judge them, but they don't get rid of the baby. They keep the baby. And that's what happens. The baby becomes a priority. So what we did now, I had a a client that got in touch with me, the one that had the baby yesterday, and they got in touch about, I don't know, maybe two months ago. Yeah, to prep for it. Yeah. And uh, they said, we're going to have a baby and we're concerned about how to deal with that. What is the best way to go about it? And we did some basic obedience. The dog was reactive on the leash. It had some other issues. But I said, let's get out and start moving that dog around with a baby carriage with no baby in it. So after we taught the dog how to walk on a leash, then we added the baby carriage and started, you know, trying to introduce the dog to this new thing. And as well as uh, in the house, we put down um, a blanket and baby, some baby items that they had. And we taught the dog to leave it, to not go near uh, these certain items. And uh, so we were able to put these things down in the living room. 
and uh, we taught the dog a bed exercise. The mm -hmm. dog could stay on a bed. You could send the dog to the bed. The dog would walk around these items or this blanket. And the reason for that is I know from experience there's going to be a baby on the ground <laughs> a lot because that's the safest place for a baby uh, or a playpen. But, you know, the playpen comes when the kid starts crawling. Then you got to contain the kid. But until the kid is rolling over on its stomach and crawling around the room, the floor is a good place to put it. And uh, you can put a little mobile, you know, a little hanging thing with toys, things to stimulate it mentally. But that's just kind of a nice little thing. And if yeah. you have a dog in the house, the dog is going to be attracted to the baby because of smell and typically sound. The smell is going to be appetizing. There could be some food on the, dog, on the kid's mouth. Or it could be a full diaper, and that's getting the dog to want to get in and, and investigate that diaper. You don't want any of that kind of stuff happening. That's, you don't want a dog licking your kid's face constantly. And that would be best case scenario. That's with no aggression issues. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, so that's the kind of stuff where I'm not saying we're setting up the scenario where you can leave the dog and the baby alone in the same room. But what I'm saying is you could be nursing the baby on the couch, and normally that dog is always on the couch next to you. You don't want that to be happening when you're nursing your newborn. So you tell your dog, hey, get on the bed, uh, a, a specific dog bed for that dog. And now you can have the dog part of that social setting. The dog can get used to this baby being around them, but you don't have a dog that's jumping, trying to get at this screaming little being that's in your in their mom's or hands. start licking milk out of your nipple. I mean, they're dogs. These are all new things that are happening. So you have to like understand that you want to set that up for success. One thing that I would say, my A number one thing is, listen, if you're not creating your dog or if you got away from creating your dog or if you've never created your dog before, please purchase a crate. The worst possible thing is to be like, oh, I have this crate for once the baby gets here and once we need it. No, like make the dog's life just become more structured. You're going to be up a lot at night. You're going to be dealing with different things during the day. Now, if you're having a baby, COVID restrictions and stuff are starting to lift. People are vaccinated. You're going to have people coming to your home. It's a lot to deal with everything at once. One, the dog normally likes to have a little decompression time away from everything. And two, I don't want the dog to think, hey, my life was freaking ducky and I slept in between my mom and dad every night in bed. And then this little gremlin showed up and no one paid attention to me for three months. So if that change starts happening just while the pregnancy is going on and everything else, you're getting the whole family into a routine. And then, and then the dog starts thinking, the gremlin must die. <laughs> gremlin must die. You know, I do have to say as a side note, um, and I'm not going to get too far down this rabbit hole, but I was reading some stories the other day on Facebook <clears throat> and I just want whatever we say in this podcast, um, is, obviously take those stories with a grain of salt, but continue <laughs> on. No, but as far as like these best practices and stuff go, there was a situation where there was a dog that was so interested in the baby and had it out for the baby so badly that they had to keep locking the baby, the dog in a room upstairs. And then accidentally the door was left open and the dog made like a beeline for the baby. If at any point you're experiencing that severe of a situation, we are just going to professionally tell you to rehome your dog at that point. That is way beyond what we're talking about. We're talking about like a little bit of interest. We're like, hey, there's puke on the baby's chest and let me go sniff this up or the baby's screaming the dog doesn't know what to do if the aggression is to the point where like a dog on another level is thinking about this small little item that is not a dog for your household and that is just something that I want to say so anytime yeah. we're talking about dogs like dogs can bark and have a little bit of reactivity and leash stuff and they can even have aggression with good control we've had a lot of dogs with a bite history that have had 
uh, babies great, raised, yeah, kids. that, that are great raised with, with their families, and it's fine. We're not saying that, but if the dog is that out for the baby, and your management has to be that hardcore, that's just like uh, not going to work, and we don't support that. So yeah, we have one guy, the couple that they had the baby, uh, or they were afraid because the dog was aggressive, had bit the neighbor twice, and then they were pregnant. They're like, oh shit, you know, we're all stressed <laughs> out. And the dog, uh, they wound up doing a board and train. The dog trained really well. The baby came. The dog and the baby were like inseparable. Yeah. They're just awesome together. Yeah. The nice thing is now they can let their kid go to the store by himself with the dog. <laughs> no one's going to freaking touch <laughs> the baby's the safe. Yeah. Another thing that I often bring up, which is kind of, um, kind of something that people don't consider, is like put some YouTube videos on of babies screaming and crying and baby noises and all this stuff because the the calmness and the quiet and this like solace in the house. That goes away. I mean, that's not going to be existing. You know what I mean? And the last thing you want is the dog to be barking in the middle of the night and waking the baby up or vice versa and everything else. So just sometimes play some loud music, do some stuff, do some of the things that you're normally going to be doing. Get bottles out, put things on the counter, laundry, all of these things. And then also stabilizing the dog during that. So a bed exercise is super nice. We use that for a lot of different things that Scott mentioned. And you normally work with that with a trainer, but even tethering your dog, even just tying your dog out on the other side of the room on a flat collar and being able to stabilize him over there. You can give him something to chew on or something, but you don't want the dog to always be in the laundry, always be in the baby, always be in the bottles, all that. Yeah. With the tethering, I mean, what I would say, obviously, it's not obvious, but you shouldn't leave a dog that's tethered alone, unsupervised for yes. any length of time. But it is a good way of managing a dog where you can put that leash over a doorknob and put a big fluffy dog bed there that they don't understand to stay on it. But it's there if they choose to lay down. They can just relax on it. And then you can give them a bone or something that they can enjoy. And the first time you do it, if they're accustomed to following you around, they're going to be put out. They're going to stand there. They're not going to want their bone. But now is the time to start conditioning them to hanging out over there. The world isn't going to end because that's a little exercise that will really come in handy with a baby, you know, a few months down the road. And you're going to see there could be some anxiety that develops. If you're sitting there and, you know, you're three months into your pregnancy and you sit on the couch now to do laundry and you tie your dog to the door closer to the bathroom across the room, the dog may sit there and bark at you even if they give you a chew. So you'll start to see, hey, there's a little anxiety when the dog can't make its choices, when the dog can't lay next to me and And everything else. Could I just add one thing? You said um, anxiety develops. I would rephrase that and say, you may, yes, (laughs) you may activate some anxiety that is there that has gone undetected because the dog is able to do whatever they want. And when you start restricting movement, that's when you'll see this anxiety rise to the surface and it just needs to be addressed. And that anxiety is only going to intensify with your anxiety with the baby, with the baby's stress and everything else. So this is not in any way, shape or form to scare you or stress you out about stuff, but preparing your your dog... Make your life easier. Yes. And preparing your dog is really important. I mean, yes, you have to prepare yourselves. Yes, you're going to be reading books. Yes, everything else. But the dog just kind of is left by the wayside and people just think, oh, like it'll just work and it'll be what it'll be. We would recommend that you have a plan for that dog when you're in the hospital. This specific client, they called us, said, hey, she's getting induced tomorrow. We went and then we're going to board the dog while they're having the baby. And then when the dog goes home, we'll do a class. We'll be there for the intro and everything else. That isn't necessarily a standard common practice, but it does seem to be a pretty smooth way to handle things. But that in and of itself, like, okay, I'm going to be at the hospital. What's going to happen with the dog? And is this dog used to having a, someone come stay with them? Is he going to go stay somewhere that he's used to staying? Like, how does that transition work? The likelihood of you coming home to deal with the dog while you're at the hospital with your wife is pretty low. So you want all of those things to be worked out. And then 
Where is the dog's emotional state and its stress level leading up to this? So if you're like, oh, I'm going to kennel the dog and the dog's never seen that place before and it'll be there for three days and then we're going to come home with the baby, that in and of itself may be stressful. So now the dog's somewhere it's never been, you come home with this alien it's never seen, there's a lot going on. So just planning those things helps make everything better. Another huge thing is diaper bags. Scott's talking about like having stuff all over the floor. Obviously there's going to be toys and small things that you don't want the dog to ingest and stuff, but legitimately like have a diaper bag filled up with stuff. Let the dog smell those types of things. The more that like, Hey, there was this life that we all lived together. yeah. Yeah. And then another human came into it. That's easier for the dog than everything was one way. And now in two days, the whole world is different and my whole house looks different and everything else. So we're going to go to break super quick. And actually this course is great for you guys. If you do have any anxiety with your dogs and after break, we're going to give you some more best practices for when you're expecting. Does your dog seem anxious? Would you like your dog to relax? Do you want to feel more in control? Would you like your dog to cooperate? HowToCalmYourCanine.com That's HowToCalmYourCanine.com All right, we are back and we are going to do a quick quirky question of the day. And the question of the day was about housebreaking. And it was, how, what is a reasonable time frame to expect my dog to be housebroken? So what would you explain? What would you define housebreaking as? Well, housebreaking, I would define as a dog that does not pee or poop in the house. Okay. And uh, ideally, they, if they need to, they can communicate with you that they need to go out and you have a good enough understanding of their body language to know, hey, this dog needs to go out. You also have a, a good, um, you have daily knowledge of when the dog ate yes. and things like that. And, Just and you're watching the food dog. Food in, food out. Yeah. And you're watching the dog outside. And I would say the way we start that, and obviously we had um, that little puppy on with the McCanns last week and we're dealing with this ourselves and everything. The way I would start that is clean in the crate. And then if there is going to be house time, I would have the dog go out before it has some supervised house time. And it's not that you need 100% success, but if I just put that puppy down when she first came out of the crate and she peed in the house, that's not her fault. That's not housebreaking. She needs to go out. And then I know, okay, she hasn't had water. We can have 20 minutes of time in the house and I'm going to supervise that. So I see if she starts to spin and needs to poop, then I can deal with it and everything else. So a reasonable time for me, I would say is six to eight months, depending on the breed and Mm -hmm. depending on how many reps of accidents you've had, not only in the crate, but also outside of the crate and everything else. We're pretty strict that when our dogs are in the house, they don't really have accidents. I have had a few little flubs with that little puppy in the crate. She's had mm-hmm. an accident here or there. But for the most part, things should just progress at a rate where it's getting better and better and better. And if the dog never has reps of going to the bathroom in the house, then by the time their bladders are older and stuff, they're not like, oh, let me just piss on this rug. They are understanding, okay, like I go outside to potty. I just pottied outside. Now I'm going to hang out in the house. So supervision is key. And I would say six to eight months. Do you think that's reasonable? Uh, it just depends on, you know, in your scenario that you've created it's with a puppy yeah a fresh a rescue puppy. could be different and with a rescue you don't know yeah. the history and what i would do is i would start any rescue that comes into my house just like a puppy they may progress super fast it could be a week later we realize oh this dog is capable of regulating its water intake this dog has good bladder control the dog obviously came with some previous training this dog has some social skills i mean you start seeing that out of a rescue really quick if they're there Uh, But if they're not there, it's a dog, and typically it's a dog that's kind of grown up outdoors, 
And if it has, that's a plus. That means it has peed and pooped outdoors most of its life. And breeds and intelligence and being clean and yeah, all that, like it's that. all so interrelates. But if the I dog would has even had say a lot of accidents in the house, it's going to take yeah, some time. Yeah, I would say for a rescue, um, maybe bump that up from 10 to 12 months, depending on how it is. And honestly, with that said, it could be half a- the rescues that come are potty trained the moment right. they walk in the door. So it totally depends. But you want to err on the side of caution not to get those reps. And I just want to add. Um, Try to be proactive rather than reactive. Reactive is I'm picking up poop going, God yeah, damn yeah, it, yeah. how are we going to fix this? Yeah. Proactive is I saw the dog pooped outside, we're good for an hour in the house. Yeah, exactly. And if you're measuring that food and water and regulating and scheduled and everything, like Scott said, it's going to make it easier. All right, back to babies. So I would say um, a pretty common one is like, how can my dog and my baby get introduced? I am not a big fan of like, let me take the baby and shove it up to my dog's face. That doesn't... <laughs> Covered with not, peanut butter. <laughs> honestly, guys, it sounds like, who would do that? And the more we're around, the longer we hear, the more we hear stories, and I'm just, food for thought, that's not really my best practice there. One thing that's really nice is if the dog, if the dog, if the, we just drove here and we passed a horse and Scott's like, nice dog. <laughs> Everything's a dog, a baby, a horse, we're all, it's all dogs. So, um... If the baby is in, what do you call it? Like a car seat? What is, is that what it is? Stroller? No, the car seat, like that you take out of the car. That's a car seat. Okay. I'm a godmother. I know something about these things. All right. So the car seat, that's now like maybe on the couch or something. If you, if the dog is pretty calm and lazy, like can come up, sniff the baby's feet and everything, but don't let that escalate. Like, don't let it get to the point where like, okay, it's sniffing the feet. Okay. It's sniffing the ears. It's licking the face. I'm not saying that the dog can't be affectionate towards the baby. Quit when you're ahead. Yes. That first interaction, less is more guys. Less is more. And ideally for the dog's sake, maybe the baby is like sleeping and calm rather than screaming and like having a hissy fit and smells like fresh poop or something. So my best practice for that would be all right, the baby's here, it's contained within something, we're nearby, and the dog is coming up. If your dog is overly exuberant and jumping and crazy and you're like having to restrain it on a leash, this is the type of BS that we're talking about dealing with earlier on, you guys. I think a good rule of thumb would be if you hold a hot dog in your hand, not that your baby is like a hot dog, but that's pretty high value to a lot of people, how much control do you have over your dog at that point? Can you say, go lay down? Can you say, get in your crate? Can you say, go on your bed? Can you put your dog on a leash and step on the leash and hold this hot dog? Like, how much control do you have just sitting with a hot dog and your dog actually responds and not only like sits so it gets the hot dog, but it actually goes in its bed, lays down and chills out. That is a good rule of thumb to be like, okay, like does my dog listen or does it not? Because you're going to be sitting there with the baby. You're dealing with a bunch of stuff. Maybe your husband's doing laundry for a change because you can't keep everything, all the balls in the air. If the dog's there and you need to deal with the dog, you need to make sure the dog is responsive without you being able to get up and stop breastfeeding and get your, I don't know what the babies lay on. I don't remember what it's called, but whatever they lay on now when they're breastfeeding. (laughs) It's not a tarp. Oh my God. (laughs) He hasn't had kids. Home Depot baby. He hasn't had kids in 21 years. Post-COVID. We're going for tarps now. (laughs) They're cheaper. Another thing I would say, you talk about the hot dog. Even another thing is if you have a toy dog. If you have a dog that's crazy about a ball. And I was evaluating this in a dog yesterday, and I was really kind of surprised. The lady said, oh, the dog loves a ball. I said, great. Get the tennis ball. Let me see. She goes and gets this tennis ball, and she was like assaulted by the dog. (laughs) The dog kept jumping and like trying to get that ball, and she was getting kind of nervous. I'm like, holy crap. Just throw the ball, you know? But... If you can't control a ball, a dog that you're sitting there with a ball, imagine that the dog all of a sudden places that kind of drive onto the baby that it sees in the ball for some reason. You know, and if it's a trained dog, the dog is going to look and it's going to get locked up on the baby and you're going to say, hey, 
go friggin' lay down. Yeah. But if it's not a trained dog, it's just going to be lunging, jumping, and maybe not with aggression, but just wants to play, curious, but out of control. Yeah. And if your dog is that overly exuberant and stuff, like even just crating it is fine. And it can be to the point where like, you know, you're holding the baby and then maybe the dog's out with a chew and there's not a lot of like just the dog being loose, but your crate is going to be so key in those instances. Another thing I would consider is walking around with like those wraps or all those little things that you use to hold the baby more frequently. Like when you come home, even if your dog is normally loose when you come home, like wear whatever that is that you wear, satchel, I don't know what they call them, um, as you're walking in the door, like, can you keep the dog off of you? Does the dog, what, is it not a satchel? I don't know what the hell you're talking about. I don't know. If you're wearing a burlap bag when you come in, tighten Listen, it up a little I bit. Got, I got back pain. <laughs> <laughs> we got a call in a little bit. I've never had a kid. Great. You're doing, I'm doing great. my best. No, um, you know, you brought up a point, though, that you might want to consider. The satchel point? Because I haven't well, even gotten through the satchel point. You just uh, made fun of my burlap. Finish the burlap, and then we'll... If you can't walk in with a fake baby in your fake setup without your dog jumping on you, I don't think when the real baby is going to be within that, the dog is now going to be like, oh, okay, I'll back off. So start to learn. Like, okay, if I come out of the bathroom, if I come home from work, if the dog comes in from going outside, is he going to be jumping on me? And if he is, then let's start some practices to be able to teach off and be able to not get reps of, I slammed the baby with my 110 pounds of weight. Now, that was a good satchel story. And now to shift <laughs> gears, what you reminding me of is another thing that you want to be aware of with a baby that's going to be crawling around within a year of its birth. Uh, is if your dog tends to be possessive or guards, have that yes. resource guarding issue oh with, my God, with not yes. only dog toys, but maybe your sock, maybe your shoe. Or maybe gets, you. Yes. And that's you? the stuff you want to get that crap straightened yes. out. And honestly, this is our practice and for that. And you got six months to do it because you called the dog trainer yeah. ahead if of time. And if the dog trainer you called doesn't help you, call another one, you guys. Mm-hmm. Like, call a dog trainer that is going to actually like make some headway there over at your house. Um and the because other it's thing, it's not an impossible problem to get no, straightened but out. But just as far as that goes, if you do have resource guarding like that, a lot of times you'll see that more like on the couch or on the bed. Or a lot of people say now, like, oh, I go to wake my dog up and it like comes out, it like comes Growls awake into this rage. Me. Yeah. Absolute bullshit. No more couch, no more bed, no furniture for that dog. That's I used the to bottom wake up line. Like that until uh, I met Jess. She trained me to be very <laughs> smiling and happy when I wake up. Oh, God, you can only train him to do so much in freaking <laughs> 10 years. All right, you guys, I hope that we gave you some tips. If you have any other questions, um, about what your dog should expect when you're expecting, feel free to email us at studio at thequirkydog.com. And uh, we will see you next week. we got a super special guest. And if you are expecting a baby, congratulations. Yes. It's, it's a great year to have a kid, and it's going to be awesome. And we just want it to be as seamless as possible for all of you. Talk to you soon, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Peace. Keep it quirky. <laughs>